Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the Golden Olds Podcast. I am your host, Gregory McCoy. This podcast is by a fan, for fans. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. I am not an insider. I do not work for a website. The majority of my content is in my opinion. Other information comes from the internet. Today is February 3rd, 2020. I got about five different segments here that I would like to talk about for this episode. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, All right. And first episode is entitled um, Florida State Recruiting Weekend. Okay. Florida State Recruiting Weekend Thoughts. Hopefully Florida State can close big on these guys. They are pursuing recruiting is an inexact science. Every guy is different, and this staff has shown the ability to adapt to whatever's thrown their way. The guy I really want is the running back uh, Edwards from South Georgia. Uh, he would be a nice centerpiece in the running back room. Um, a couple of more offensive tackles would be nice too. Overall, again, I give Norvell a B plus. As I have stated previously, that grade can move from a A can move from a B plus to a A or A plus, depending on how they close uh, this week. I'm slowly moving towards excitement for the upcoming season. We got to identify the quarterback and the left and right tackle positions. Then I think we got a chance. I'm thinking LSU, I mean FSU, Florida State will be active in the gra- uh, graduate transfer market. So maybe Florida State can do some some big things. Maybe. Um, The, uh, you know, no disrespect to Norvell, but you could virtually put anybody at Florida State and they're going to get players. And that's not a slight to him. All right. But he's done a B-plus job since getting hired. Um, if he can, if he can nail a couple of more, nail down a couple of more offensive tackles, a running back. Um, you know, that would move me towards, okay, he's done all he could do for this recruiting cycle. Um, and he took over the job back in December. So from there until now, I say he's done a B plus, um, you know, let me know what you think about that, uh, segment. Um, the next segment is entitled. You know when they have the college football national college football playoff national championship, they bring two sets of hats and shirts for each team because supposedly they don't know who's gonna win. So my question is, what do they do? What do they do with the losers' hat and t-shirts? Do they destroy them or do they send them to a third world country? Um, so here's what I wrote about that: hats and shirts from losing title teams. Where do they go? 
This is something I have always wondered. I was told they shipped them off to third world countries, but I've never seen them. And in this age of social media and Internet, um, I think it would I think it would have been uh, seen on the Internet or social media at this at this point. Um, you know, it would be crazy to see a Buffalo Bills uh, Super Bowl uh, champions T-shirt um, from the 90s when they went. Uh, four straight times or one of the Bulls three-peat the losers a t-shirt from one of those teams um, I guess we'll never know it's just this is just one of the the many things that I you know when I'm uh, brainstorming for an episode and this, this just came to mind I really didn't write anything extensive for it but I mean I would love to know you know what they do with those hat and t-shirts if anybody know let me know in the comments you know this is just one of those little nuanced things in sports that never gets talked never uh is talked about so i would love to know if somebody knows what happens with that um let me know what you think about that segment um the next segment ugliest jersey numbers in sports all right and these are just some numbers that I think are just ugly. And I don't have anything against any number. These these numbers just don't appeal to me. 39, 49, 69, 57, 41, 43, 59. All right. And this is what I wrote about the ugliest numbers in sports. The ugliest jersey numbers in sports. When you play sports, it's certain numbers you stay away from. Because they are ugly and, and they are not fashionable. Your jersey number says a lot about um, you as a player. I've seen DBs uh, wear numbers in the 60s. That was crazy. The number 39 has to be the ugliest jersey number in sports. No big-time athlete from recent, recent history has rocked that number. Dwight Howard uh, went to the Lakers this year, and he wears number 39 i think he looks absolutely ridiculous um i would never wear the number 69 um self-explanatory um i couldn't do it um 57 and 59 are linebacker numbers luke keekley put 59 in a uh, good standing but um 57 is still a weird number to look at on a football jersey i don't have anything against nines 19 29, 9, 99, 79, 89 all look cool to me. It's just a me thing, but I think jersey numbers are important. Um, recent history, Richard Sherman came to the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Ward had number 25. Richard Sherman bought that number. This happens all the time in the NFL when uh, you know, high-profile high athlete goes to another team he usually usually wants his number and he either gives the player cash for it or makes a large donation to his favorite charity and uh you know you when you think of certain numbers you think of certain players when you think when you say 16 i think of joe montana when you say 12 you automatically think of tom brady right when you say 99, I think Warren Sapp or J.J. Watt, all right? Um, 
when when you say number seven, I think either Michael Vick or John Elway. All right, eighty four, I Antonio Brown or Shannon Sharp. You know, or Randy Moss. You know, just some of the greats that have worn that particular number. So I just think it's definitely um uh, um a psyche thing where um the a certain you know a certain number is associated with certain players um so let me know what you think about that that segment um next segment is uh entitled um in 1994 Deion Sanders propelled San Francisco 49ers to Super Bowl championship and this you know this is in honor of the Super Bowl um and uh and this is what I wrote about that. In nineteen ninety four, the San Francisco forty ers acquired Deion Sanders. That particular season he only got paid a million dollars, which for a, a player of his caliber, that's chump change. Um I have mentioned Deion Sanders many times on this podcast. I've never wrote anything about this particular season when he played for my favorite team. He played a major role to propel the 49ers to the Super Bowl, and they won it. That particular year, he had 303 interception yards. He won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, The battle he had with Michael Irvin in in the NFC Championship game was one of the classic wide receiver DB battles of all time, in my opinion. Um, No other cornerback in NFL history has has had more of an impact on the league um the following year Deion Sanders went to the Dallas Cowboys and did virtually the same thing he helped propel them to a uh, Super Bowl championship and he played wide receiver he returned punts and he was you know highly effective at doing both um I don't feel like Deion Sanders gets the respect that he deserves as a you know game-changing phenomenon he revolutionized the cornerback position. He basically invented the term cover corner. Okay. Um, so that's what I wrote. And to further expound on that, you know, just through my lifetime, it's only been certain athletes that have changed the game. Lawrence Taylor, Derek Thomas, Reggie White, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Ray Lewis, um, Michael Vick, uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, game-changing players. Dan Marino, John Elway, um, Shannon Sharp. I mean, just just revolutionized. Tony Gonzalez just revolutionized the uh, position that they played. And um, Deion Sanders is definitely you you can't have an all-time team without Deion Sanders all right anybody that does have an all-time team without Deion Sanders you're you're crazy all right um so let me know what you think about that segment um the next segment is entitled do the top recruits even look at Florida State anymore and this is what I wrote about that do top recruits even look at Florida State anymore 
I don't think so. And why would they? For the last three years, we have not been a good football program. Florida State boosters and Florida State administration is um, historically cheap. Um, They don't want to deliver the bags to recruits. And the recruits are not going to waste their time coming on a visit if certain bags are not delivered. Um, On previous episodes, I stated you need three things to attract top recruits. Money, number one. Two, winning program. Three, great coach in that order. If you don't believe that college football players are getting paid, um, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, this is this this goes on. This happens. I, I I don't know if it happens every day, but when you see a kid and his entire family get moved from the West Coast all the way to Alabama. I mean, it's pretty safe to say that they were financed by somebody uh, from that particular university. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I think when you play this game at that level and in the NFL, you should be compensated because you are putting your long-term health in jeopardy. I feel like you should be compensated, period. There's nothing wrong for getting paid to play a dangerous game. If you can send a kid off to the Middle East with a machine gun to kill people, you can pay him for playing college football. Um, so I think one day Norvell will be a great coach. Um, I think he's had, he's he has the program going in the right direction. Um Florida State for number two winning program. Historically, we are a winning program, but the last three years we are, are we are not. Six and six, five and seven, six and six. Mediocre. Okay. Um number one, money, like I already said, historically cheap. You know, Jimbo Almost had to cause a civil war just to get the indoor practice facility. And he asked for the football only facility six years ago. Six years ago. He seen that coming six years ago. He saw the trend. Um, And they didn't do it. And Florida State has suffered for that negligence. Um, So... We got a long way to go in terms of getting um, caught up with the big time programs from a money standpoint. Once we do that, everything else is going to take off, man. Um, so that's going to conclude this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please Go down to the description, click on one of the links, rate, review, and subscribe. I I really don't care where you listen to it at, but if you could please rate, review, and subscribe by clicking on one of those links, I would greatly appreciate it. I'm thankful for all the loyal listeners that listen to this podcast every single day. I really appreciate it. And as always, go Knowles.